Welcome to Aunt Blanche's Story Corner, where today I want to share a story with you that was written by one of the foremost American novelists and short story writers of the 19th century, Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's the story of the golden touch and what happens to a king who doesn't realize the meaning of true happiness. The Golden Touch, adapted from a story by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Once upon a time there lived in Phrygia a very rich king whose name was Midas. He was more fond of gold than of anything else in the world, except his little daughter Marigold, and he thought that the finest thing he could do for her was to make her the richest of all princesses. Whenever Midas gazed at the gold-tinted clouds of sunset, he wished that they were real gold and that they could be squeezed into his strong box. If little Marigold ran to meet him with a bunch of buttercups, he would say, Oh, my child, if these flowers were as golden as they looked, they would be worth the plucking. And yet, in his earlier days, King Midas had shown a great taste for flowers, He had planted a garden in which grew the sweetest, most beautiful roses to be found anywhere, and he used to pass many hours gazing at them and inhaling their perfume. But now, if he looked at them at all, it was only to calculate how much the garden would be worth if each of the roses were made of pure gold. And though he once was fond of music, The only music for Midas now was the clink of one coin against another. As time went on, Midas spent more and more time in the dark and dreary basement room where he kept his wealth. Here, after carefully locking the door, he would take a bag of gold coin, or a gold cup as big as a wash bowl, or a heavy golden bar, and bring them from the obscure corners of the room into the one bright and narrow sunbeam that fell from the dungeon-like window. He valued the sunbeam for no other reason but that his treasure would not shine without its help. One day, when Midas was enjoying himself in his treasure room, he perceived a shadow fall over the heaps of gold, and looking suddenly up, What should he behold but the figure of a stranger standing in the bright sunbeam? It was a young man with a bright, ruddy face. Whether it was the imagination of King Midas that threw a yellow tinge over everything, or whatsoever the cause might be, he could not help fancying that the smile with which the stranger regarded him had a kind of golden radiance in it. Certainly, although his figure intercepted the sunshine, there was now a brighter gleam upon all the piled-up treasures than before. As Midas knew that he had certainly turned the key in the lock and that no mortal strength could possibly break into his treasure room, he, of course, concluded that his visitor must be something more than mortal. The stranger gazed about the room, looking at all the golden objects, and then turned again to Midas. "'You are a wealthy man, friend Midas,' he observed. 
I doubt whether any other four walls on earth contain so much gold. I have done pretty well, answered Midas, but after all, it's only a trifle when you consider that it has taken me my whole life to get it together. If one could live a thousand years, he might have time to grow rich. What? exclaimed the stranger. Then you're not satisfied? Midas shook his head. And pray, what would satisfy you? asked the stranger. I wish, said King Midas with a sigh, that everything I touch might turn to gold. The golden touch, said the stranger with a broad smile. And are you quite sure that would make you happy? How could it fail, said Midas. As you wish, said the stranger. Tomorrow at sunrise you shall have the golden touch. Then the stranger vanished. At daybreak, Midas was broad awake. He reached out and eagerly touched a chair. Nothing happened. The stranger had failed him. Or had it been just a dream? Midas' spirit sank dismally until suddenly the first sunbeam shone through the window. And by its light, Midas saw that the brocaded coverlet of his bed gleamed like gold. The golden touch had come to him with the sunrise. Midas started up in a kind of joyful frenzy. He ran about touching everything. He turned his bedpost to pillars of gold. He pulled aside a window curtain, and the tassel grew heavy in his hand. He took up a book from the table and ran his fingers through the leaves. Behold, it was a bundle of thin golden plates on which the words had disappeared. He dressed himself in clothes of magnificent gold cloth, which, he had to admit, was somewhat heavy. He drew out a handkerchief, which little Marigold had hemmed for him. That was likewise gold with the neat stitches running all along the border in gold thread. Somehow or other, this last transformation did not quite please King Midas. It's no great matter, nevertheless, he said to himself. We cannot expect any great good without some small disadvantage. And he went downstairs and out into the garden where hundreds of beautiful roses were blooming, there he went about touching every blossom until the whole garden was a mass of gold. By this time, the morning air had given him an excellent appetite, and he hastened back to the palace for breakfast. Marigold had not yet made her appearance when he arrived, and her father ordered her to be called. Soon he heard her coming along the passageway, crying bitterly. This surprised him for she had the sunniest disposition imaginable. When she opened the door, he saw she was holding several of his golden roses. Look, father, she sobbed, holding them out to him. All of the beautiful blossoms that smell so sweet are spoiled. They're hard and ugly and have no fragrance at all. What can have happened to them? King Midas was ashamed to think that he had caused her this unhappiness. And so he said, Oh, my dear, don't cry about it. Sit down and eat your breakfast. It will be easy enough to exchange a golden rose like that 
which will last hundreds of years, for an ordinary one which would wither in a day. Meanwhile, Midas helped himself to the delicious grapes on his plate, but before he could get one to his lips, he changed to hard, heavy gold. Midas was aghast. Quickly, he raised his cup to his lips. But before he could drink, the water became molten gold, and the next moment hardened into a lump. He tried the fish and the little cakes, but even though he tried to swallow them in a hurry, it was of no use. The future looked dismal indeed. How many days could he survive on such rich fare? "'Father, what's the matter?' exclaimed Marigold, forgetting her sorrow when she saw the horror on her father's face, and running to him she threw her arms about his knees. "'Ah, oh, my dear, your love is worth more to me than all the gold in the world,' he said, and he reached out to take her in his arms. "'My precious, precious Marigold,' he cried. But Marigold made no answer. The moment he had touched her, her sweet, rosy face, so full of affection, assumed a glittering yellow color. Her beautiful brown ringlets took the same tint. Her soft little form grew hard. Little Marigold was a human child no longer, but a golden statue. Midas could only wring his hands in despair and wish to be the poorest man in the world if he could only have his little daughter's love again. As he sat sunk in despair, he suddenly saw a stranger standing near the door. It was the same man who had visited him the day before, and he was still smiling. "'Well, friend Midas,' said the stranger, "'how is the golden touch?' "'I am miserable,' said Midas. "'Gold is not everything. "'I have lost what my heart valued most.' "'Ah, so you made a discovery,' said the stranger. "'Which would you rather have, the golden touch "'or one cup of cold water?' "'Oh, blessed water,' cried Midas. "'The golden touch or a crust of bread?' A piece of bread is worth all the gold on earth. The golden touch or your little daughter? Oh, my child, my dear child, cried poor Midas, wringing his hands. I would not have given that one small dimple in her chin for a world of gold. You are wiser than you were, King Midas, said the stranger. Tell me now, do you sincerely wish to rid yourself of this golden touch? It is hateful to me. Oh, have you the power to rid me of it? Go and plunge into the river at the bottom of the garden. Take a pitcher of the same water and sprinkle it over anything you wish to change back to its former state. Quickly Midas snatched up an earthen pitcher, no longer earthen after he had touched it, and ran to the river bank. There he plunged in in his golden robes. When he came out, he held his pitcher of water very carefully. It was earthenware again, and his robes were of fine silk instead of gold. He hastened back to the palace and sprinkled water by handfuls over the golden figure of his little daughter. 
At once she began to sneeze and sputter. Why, why, father, she exclaimed, why are you spilling water on my fresh frock? Her father did not think it was necessary to tell her how foolish he'd been, but he took her into the garden and began to sprinkle water on her precious roses. At once their beautiful color and fragrance returned, and Marigold's happiness knew no bounds. After that morning, only one trace of the golden touch remained. There were new golden lights in the little princess's hair. Often King Midas touched these golden ringlets gently and said, To tell you the truth, I hate the sight of every gold but this. Well, it took a wish granted that went very wrong to teach King Midas the true meaning of happiness. He learned that the beauty of nature and the love of his daughter were far, far more valuable than gold. What do you treasure the most? I hope that today and every day you will take time to appreciate the beauty of God's world and of all of the many blessings that he has given us in addition to the gift of love. I hope you will join me again next time in Aunt Blanche's Story Corner.